can't keep quiet. Uh, we may be having a little battery problem, so if we do and we start losing, would you let me know? And we'll just switch to the handheld. Okay. Uh, in December, we uh, checked out of the story of, of Acts, uh, not because it was getting too convicting. It was because it was Christmas, and we wanted to take the time to focus upon the Advent God becoming a man, and we wanted to share the story. And then during January, we kind of re-geared for the year. So this morning, we're coming back to the story, and I want to remind you where we were. Uh, Peter and John have invited a lame man to walk. That lame man sat outside of the temple, and he, he asked for alms. He asked for gifts. That was the way that he survived. And he'd been there for 40 years. And he couldn't go into the temple because he was deformed. And, because, and the law, the Jewish law, said, you're deformed, you can't come into the temple. And so there he, there he sat until the day that, that Peter and John walked up and uh, the man said, you know, alms, alms for the poor. And, and Peter, I think, just hearing or maybe even earlier God kind of preparing him, looked at the man and said, you know, I, I, don't, have, I don't have any money to give you. And that's literally true. Because it seemed that as the apostles received money or goods, they distributed it. They made sure that all the needs of the community were being met. So they just, you know, money came in and money was distributed. Food came in and money it was distributed. It's a great way to live. And, uh, and that day he didn't have any money, but he said, you know, but what I do have, yeah, I can, I, I'm glad to give you in the name of Jesus' walk. And so the three of them walked into the temple, the first time that that lame man had ever been in the temple. And he's celebrating the salvation of Jesus. And, you know, that salvation, you should notice that salvation, yes. Did, did, did he have a sense of, hey, I, my sins are forgiven and, and my eternity is set? Yes, but it's even more. This guy's now, he's whole. So, so the gospel of Jesus did something not, not just for the soul, but for the whole person. And as that restored man danced and shouted and praised God on the temple mound, a crowd of at least 5,000 people started coming together. Hello? <laughs> do I need to do something different? Sing, sing dance? It's the shirt. I'm not taking my shirt off. <laughs> Yeah, what about that slide? What do you want to know about that slide? What are you saying? <laughs> hey, our pastor took his shirt off today. Uh, wow. <laughs> so here's this guy dancing and singing and praising God. So thousands of people are drawn to that. And when Peter looks around, again, think, I think probably prompted by, hey, Peter, this is a great opportunity to invite me to empower you to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. And so Peter, under the unction, the power of the Holy Spirit, begins to tell the story of Jesus. And 5,000 people, seeing the kingdom demonstrated, hearing the message of the king, and the, the call to you, you know, change your mind, about Jesus, you, you, you thought he was a false messiah. You, you thought he was a criminal. You know, you, some of you even shouted crucify, but change your mind, that's not who he is. And this is what he does. He's restoring things on this planet. And, and 5,000 people said, 
man, I see it, and I'm coming with it. So they're celebrating, and at the time they're celebrating, then here comes the party poopers. And so Peter and John and their, their new friend are arrested, and they spend the night in jail. I, my suspicion is they spent the night in the dungeon of Caiaphas. Caiaphas was the, the, the father of the, the current high priest. He'd been the high priest, and in the basement of his house was a dungeon. Now that should make you stop and think a minute. You know, if we ever have a building program, and the suggestion is, hey, let's put a dungeon probably want to think, what is going on with that? But in the morning, they have to face their accusers. So here they're giving their defense. We've looked at half of their defense, and they're saying, there is no other name by which men are saved except the name of Jesus, as demonstrated in this man being healed. So their defense continues in Acts 4, verse 13 to 22. The accusers, the, the religious leaders, the, the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court, they, they couldn't take their eyes off of them. Peter and John standing there so confident, so sure of themselves, their fascination deepened when they realized that these two were laymen with no training in scripture or formal education. They recognized them as companions of Jesus But with the man right before them, seeing him standing there so upright, so healed, what could they say against that? They sent them out of the room so they could work out a plan. They talked it over. What can we do with these men? By now it's known all over town that a miracle has occurred and that they are behind it. There is no way we can refute that. But so that it doesn't go any further, let's silence them with threats so they won't dare to use Jesus' name ever again with anyone. They called them back and warned them that they were on no account ever again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John spoke right back. (laughs) Whether it's right... In God's eyes, to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. As for us, there's no question. We can't keep quiet about what we've seen and heard. The religious leaders renewed their threats, but then released them. They couldn't come up with a charge that would stick, that would keep them in jail. The people wouldn't have stood for it. They were all praising God over what had happened. The man who had been miraculously healed was over 40 years old. As Peter and John stand before these religious authorities, they stand before them as companions of Jesus. And because they were friends with Jesus, there there was something that had transformed them. And so even though they're standing before a very intimidating group who really had it within their power to throw them in jail or actually execute them. If I mean, they could figure it out. They figured it out with Jesus. They could figure it out with these two. There they stood, confident, sure of themselves. And as the religious leaders were trying to figure it out, they realized, well, you know, these guys, these guys have never gone through rabbinic training. They're not rabbis. They've actually had no formal education whatsoever. They're fishermen 
they're from Galilee, and again, the, the mentality of the day was, does anything good come from Galilee? Companions of Jesus. That's it. Just guys that had been hanging out with Jesus. And then here's this at least 40-year-old man who these religious leaders had, had ignored. Probably they're, they just, well, fate. Fate has kept you where you are. You know, there's probably sin in your family. I mean, all that stinking thinking was going on at that day just like it is today. So they, they knew this guy. He's the beggar that sits at the gate beautiful. Poor soul. Can't do anything for him, though. So here he is now, upright, healed. Now, so as they take this scene in, they decide, well, okay, let's come up with a plan to stop miracles. You've got, you've got to see the humor in that. So they asked the, you asked Peter and John and the layman, okay, we need to have a secret meeting. Close the door. All right, first of all, we've we got to work out a plan. Now, we've got, so we got to keep it on the lowdown. We don't want the crowds, we don't want the people of Jerusalem to know that we don't want any more miracles. So we've got to kind of play the religious game. Oh, that was a really sweet miracle. We'll let one go. But what, what can we do to make sure there's not a miracle number two? Now, when you realize miracles are the, the hand of God, you realize that miracles are the power of God, and you've got these religious guys in this room thinking, how are we going to stop? Again, you've got to, what are they thinking? What did they have for breakfast? I mean, what in the world's going through their mind? So they said, okay, we'll just, we'll just silence them with threats. We're just going to threaten them. And we're going to ban them from using the name of Jesus in public teaching and speaking. That'll do it. That'll nip it in the bud. No more miracles here in Jerusalem. So they call him back in. And I, I just have to, I just believe that in reading between the lines, here they give this little, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to threaten, we're going to beat you up, we're going to throw you in jail, you know, we're gonna, whatever their threats were. So you've got to stop using the name of Jesus. And I just see Peter and John just, I, th- I think they break out in the biggest grin. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> really? I mean, that's really, you really, come on. Really? And so because they know that they like to meet in kind of closed quarters and rooms, say, so, well, okay, you guys go back into that planning room and you all decide whether it's right in God's, God's eyes for us to listen to you rather than to God. You, you, you go make that decision and let, let it, let, we'll tell you what we're going to do. <laughs> it's for us, I mean, there is absolutely no question. It doesn't matter how you threaten us. There is absolutely, we, we can't keep quiet. We can't stop. We can't keep quiet about what we've seen and what we've heard. See, if you just think about what had they seen, what had they heard? I mean, and this is the short list. I mean, I hit the high points. Remember at the end of John, John says, you know, if we would have recorded everything that Jesus said and did, it would fill the library of the world. So there is no way that we can capture on a slide in a morning 
Everything that Peter and John saw and heard. So here's some high points. You know, we can't keep quiet. Because we, we, saw, we saw three years of mind-boggling, life-changing ministry by Jesus. We saw resurrection. We saw ascension. I mean, we saw the resurrected Jesus leave the Mount of Olives and go into heaven, and we stood there amazed until an angel said, What are you all doing? We saw thousands of people changing their minds about Jesus. We saw an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The one that that Joel said was going to happen, we saw it. And one of the things I love about Peter with this lame man is that the the story tells us that Peter looked him in the eye. And so I think one of the things Peter saw, I I saw the hopeful look in a lame man's eye. And so when I extended my hand to him, and said, in the name of Jesus, walk. He saw that. He saw that human-to-human contact. I can't deny that. And he saw saw a lame man healed. He saw a lame man for the first time in his life enter into the presence of God at the temple. He saw that. I can't keep quiet. And then they heard. What did they hear? Well, they heard countless hours of public and private instruction from Jesus. I mean, they were there at the biggie sermons. We've, we only have a couple of the sermons. The Sermon on the Mount, the Olivet Discourse. I mean, that, those are kind of the only sermons. And then the rest were just the sayings of Jesus. So Jesus delivered a lot more sermons that they all heard. And then when they're walking around, they're talking and they're hearing. So we've heard too much. We can't keep quiet. They've heard the good news of the kingdom. I mean, the answer to the world's problem, we've heard that. We've heard the final instructions of Jesus go and tell the story of the kingdom to the nation. We've heard that. We've heard that commissioning. They've heard the loud rushing of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem. They've heard that. You know, Peter... Anybody that's ever been a public speaker, you know, you do hear yourself. Or hopefully you hear yourself. So it's a weird, this is a weird, you know, because I know I'm talking, but I'm listening at the same time. And I'm listening to myself, and I'm listening, you know, I'm hopefully listening to the Holy Spirit, especially when he says, don't say that. Oh, don't say that. So I know that I know that I know that when Peter is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because that's when Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit to testify, to be my witnesses. So, so these, these messages of Peter, when 3,000 and 5,000 people respond to this invitation, he knows that this is not me. I'm a fisherman. I'm not a public speaker. But, but I know the Holy Spirit's empowering me and I'm saying this stuff And I think Peter at times, wow, where'd that come from? So he's heard the Holy Spirit giving him words to speak, and then he's heard those. Wow, he's heard that. I've heard too much. He's he's heard thousands of people changing their mind. What do you think it sounded like when 3,000 people are cut to the quick? We made a huge mistake. 
We shouted crucify and we participated in the crucifixion of the Messiah sent for us and they were cut to the quick for that mistake. What do you think that sounded like? You ever been to the Middle East? It's loud. When people are convicted, they beat their chest and they wail. We heard that. And then the... Can you, can you imagine what it sounded like for that lame man to be leaping and shouting and singing and praising God for the first time on the Temple Mount? For all, I think for all of Peter's life on the earth, he, he, he would have heard that resonant, just traveling through. Yes, never forgotten what that sounded like. So no, we, we can't keep quiet. We, we've, we've heard too much, we've seen too much, we, we can't keep quiet. So I think that this passage does make some suggestions for our community. The first one simply is, let's be the companions of Jesus. You know, when we run into each other in public, I do not like being introduced as, this is my pastor. That's like, you know, you have a dog on a leash. It really feels like that. I want to, I mean, at the very least, I want to be your friend. But, but you know, thank you. I, th- I thought you would agree with me. But, it, you know, really, when it's all said and done at the end of my life, if there is an epitaph, all I want on my epitaph is a companion of Jesus. I want to be a companion of Jesus. That's what I want to be known. That's what I want us to be known about. I don't really give a rip where you attend church. I mean, I don't want us going out and saying, well, I go to the vineyard church. Well, so what? God has you here for a time. That's wonderful. We're a community together. That's great. But let's be known as companions of Jesus, not the particular stripe of what our denomination is. You know, occasionally I, I, I think about getting another degree. Why? I mean, I mean... Why? I mean, do I want to be known by the degrees that I have? Or do I want to be known because I'm a companion of Jesus? My friends, let's be the companions of Jesus. He is inviting us into that companionship. He wants us to be his friends. He wants us to walk along with him. He wants to to speak to us friend to friend. And see, it's tied into here. I I don't know what you've seen. I don't know what you've heard. I mean, I know that we all have the opportunity of reading the story and picturing the story and listening to the story, but the story continues. I mean, our time in England is part of that story continuing. So if you were to tell me, well, just stop, be quiet, I'd have to say, I can't. I mean, just based on the week that we had in England with Kathy, I can't. Jesus is still doing stuff. See, my friends, there's so much that Jesus wants to continue to do in our world. So let's get involved. Let's do it as companions. And then is that going to threaten some people? Sure. Sure. So, okay, we get threatened. What are we going to do? Let's bulk up. Let's go on the men's retreat and get big. So we can be intimidating. You know, we can kind of push our weight around. 
which most of us really can push our weight around. Which is kind of sad in itself, isn't it? Gee. You know, there's so many things. We get threatened, and so what do we start thinking? What do we start thinking? A couple of years ago, we're at a table at Valentine's, and everybody around the table except us and another couple's talking about the new handguns that they have. I'm sitting there thinking, what are we doing? We're threatened, and so we're going to arm ourselves. What are we doing? I mean, is that what Jesus said? Hey, y'all, get a handgun. What? What? Really? Come on. Who lives in us? So when we get intimidated, I think we can be like Peter and John. Are you kidding me? Oh, come on. You're going to stop the power of God? You're going to stop the name of Jesus? You're going to stop the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords? Come on. Okay, you want to, you want to abuse me? Abuse me. You want to kill me? Okay, you can, you can kill the body, but you cannot kill my soul. Faith overcomes fears every time. Faith. God, give us faith. Do we live at a challenging time? Yes. Give us faith. We don't, you know, face the the intimidation with a smile. Come on. And then let's let's just get down to doing what Jesus wants us to do. What would please Jesus? As, as, as we're walking, a community walking along with Jesus in companionship with Jesus, living in a small town in South Texas, trying to not make it a bigger deal than what we are, what does Jesus want us to do in our city, in our county, our state? Our, what, what does he want us to do? What would please him? And let's not pre-decide. Let's just be people that say, let your will be done. On earth, on earth, now, as it's being done in heaven. Would you like to stand with me? You know, as we come to the end and pray, I, I just, I, there's really just one question I want to ask Are you a friend of Jesus? Don't answer that question with, well, yeah, you know, yeah, I read the Bible. No, no, are you a friend of Jesus? Oh, yeah, you know, I went to seminary, I got a degree. Don't, no, I don't care about your education. Are you a friend of Jesus? Well, I go to church. Don't, no, 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 we're not talking about attending church. We're talking about being friends with Jesus. Do you hang out with Jesus? Do you spend time with Jesus? Do, do, you, do you wake up or do you go to bed saying, hey, Jesus, good morning, or Jesus, good night? Do you wake up in the night and talk to Jesus? Do you talk to Jesus? Do people think you're kind of crazy because you talk to Jesus? It's okay, you know? Crazy loves company, so I've gone with it. Are we friends? That, that's the, I, to me, that's the most important thing we can ask each other. Are we friends of Jesus? Are we his companions? See, he's still inviting us to walk along with him. And are we saying, yeah, Jesus, I want to come with you? So there's a couple of things we can do.
One, we can, we can say, thank you, Jesus, that, that I hear you. Thank you that I'm walking with you. We can really celebrate. Just thank him. The other thing we can do is say, Jesus, I'm further away from you than really what I'd like to. I want to renew friendship with you. And Jesus isn't like any other. I mean, it doesn't take him a long time to kind of make up. I mean, you say, I want to renew friendship with you, Jesus. He's right there. All right, so let's just do that together, okay? Jesus, thank you for your invitation to be your companions. Thank you that it's not a matter of our education. It's not a matter of our church attendance. It's not a matter of what we believe to be right or wrong. It's a matter of who you are. And the invitation that you've given, come follow me. Come follow me. Be my companion. Listen to me. Watch me. Learn from me. Jesus, we don't always know where we are in relationship with you. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come and would you allow us um, individually and, and also as a group to be honest with you? Would you bring insight that we may not have if we just don't stop and pause and invite you to come? If we are your companion, let us celebrate that. I mean, just really say thank you. And sometime in this day, just turn to you and just say thanks. Thanks so much. Thanks for letting me come along with you on this adventure. And then for those of us that we may be off track, we may have wandered a bit, that, that Lord, we would just be able to say, Lord, I, I want to renew friendship with you. I want to be your companion. Holy Spirit, would you allow us to have that kind of conversation in this moment or in this day? And then finally, Lord, I want to pray for us as a community of people. Lord, I, I want us to be known, not, not as a vineyard church, not as empowered evangelicals, not as people that meet on Landa Street, but I want us to be known as companions of Jesus. Lord, give our community the opportunity to come along with you. Show us what you want us to do. Show us what we would do that would please you. Let us be your companions. In your name and for your sake we pray. Amen. Thank you for our time together. Enjoy your day.